Uh, so what do you want to talk about tonight? Actually, to the listeners out there, it's only two of us, just me and Kevin, uh, just decided to space heater chat this up. Yes, this is our first recording on for December, Wednesday evening, December 13th, 2023. Hey, we're in the final couple weeks of 2023. And as I said, we're just decided to space heater chat this because, well... Kevin and I went to the movies last night. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. Well, we went to see what is probably going to be, for one week, the top movie in North America. Right up How do you live? Yeah, that's the Japanese title, right? And, and I think when we, uh, when we talk about a movie like the boy and the heron or how do you live as it's known in japan yeah everything everything is worth a discussion surrounding this film surrounding miyazaki's latest and maybe his last you know you know how miyazaki tends to be about that right how old is he now let me check that 82 i believe Double, uh, um, let's see. How old is Hayao Miyazaki? Yeah, eighty-two. Mm-hmm. Right. Or well, if he lives as long as the average Japanese person, or or guess even a little above that, you know, theoretically could be one hundred and ten and still be kicking. So maybe there's a couple movies left in him. That's the power of the Japanese diet. So theoretically, there could be one more movie. Yeah, apparently he's working on it too. Oh, seriously? Yes, according to some reports, he's he's thinking about it. It's at least in planning stages of some sort. See, I'm curious as to how many people they hired to do anything because if I'm not mistaken over the years they did have to let go of a lot of their full-time staff just because they weren't working on anything for so long Mm -hmm. and then a lot of them apparently did go to uh, the studio that works with Makoto Shinkai oh comics comics wave is that what it is I don't know if it's still comics that does the newer films you might want to look that one up too, right? I don't think they've done any work since, uh, you know, your my favorite foot fetish movie, The Garden mm-hmm. of Words. It, well, let's see. Yeah, okay. no, it's listed, written produced by Comics Wave Films. Yeah, it it, 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 it Suzume is listed as a Comics Wave. Oh, it's all that, eh? Okay. Yeah. It's not really. It's not Makoto Shinkai's, but then again. It's not as if Ghibli belongs to Miyazaki either. Right? So, yeah, everything concerning this movie is, like, is a point of discussion to me. This was a really different film for Miyazaki. Not necessarily for Studio Ghibli and the stuff they can come up with. Certainly, but... For Miyazaki. 
And I, oh. I know we'll get to that a bit later, but okay, yeah, it is. It is. You're right. It is still them all the way through. Oh yeah. The no, only no. thing that wouldn't have been would be his earliest work. So because it was her cat and yeah. uh, voices of a because distant was, because of because it was just done on his computer because that was all him. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And so basically, basically, place promised afterwards. Yep. All comics from that point forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So I, I, the whole bit with uh, Miyazaki and me, this is probably where Miyazaki, I think really lays his own feelings bare too. Right. But as I said, where I, 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 where do you want to start with this? Do we start? Like I, I said, even the title is worth a discussion because in Japan, yes, it's known as "How do you live?" How do you live? Yeah, and and it's the also the name of a novel which serves as the inspiration for the movie. And yes. was a favorite of Miyazaki, but yes, by Genzaburo Yoshino. Yeah, but it's not a direct adaptation of it. A lot of the points of that, a lot of the themes of the of that novel, which was written pre World War Two. And that's worth noting because boy, the movie itself, The Boy and the Heron, takes place in the midst of World War II. So, and for those wondering, uh, the book is available at most book retailers. Yes, it, there is an English it. translation out there. I should have, maybe I should have bought that during the uh, last Indigo sale. But uh, I'll take it. It's on sale more often than manga. I wouldn't worry. Yeah. I, I'd give it a I'd give it a read just because I do now want to know how much it differs. The two stories are fairly different from each other, but as I said, they hold different theme, hold different plot points. Themes are very similar. So, are we going to go into spoiler territory at all? Because if we are, we should give the obligatory warning. Okay. Siren, siren, siren. It's not there. There might be some some spoilers, so I guess yeah, uh, it might be worth noting. Sure. So right. this is your only warning. If we do spoil anything, yeah, we'll put it in the synopsis for the episode wherever we end up putting it. Um, whether it's online <laughs> or you know, in in the uh, summary for the uh, whenever people download it to their favorite podcatcher. Yeah, because apparently. In the novel, it's his dad who dies, not his mom. Yeah. And as as the uh, as the title of the novel implies, it is about coming to terms and moving on, right? That, I mean, that's in this general sense. Sorry. He apparently Kevin. betrays one of his friends at some point in the film, or not in the film, in the book, and. He turns to his uncle for advice. Mm-hmm. Not sure if the uncle in the book would be same would be the same as the grand uncle that's depicted in the movie. Yeah, yeah, Maybe. that's where I said. Yeah, and then you never get that sense of there wasn't a real betrayal moment. I mean, I, I'll, I'll I'll be curious to read the book when the time comes. It's just that there's no real betrayal moment. I don't. I never got that sense in Boy and the Heron. Mm-hmm. the film but it, yeah it is him coming to terms and how do you uh, like have you read the book by the way have you read uh, how do you live i have not 
Okay, you just read us. You just read a basics of the synopsis, right? I just went to our Canadian bookstore overlords website to read the synopsis. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's more it, like Warren Heron goes uh, goes all fantasy world on us, right? Where how do you live? I I don't get that sense, but as I said, I haven't really read it, and I only have a basic synopsis, but. It's just that that never really comes out to me. Right? Especially because we had no clue how this movie was going to be because Toho and Ghibli decided to not do any press. Yeah. This movie. And no never- trailer, just the poster of the Heron. That was it. Mm-hmm. And maybe they did release the cast like very close to the date. And that was basically it. Yeah, because, and you know they say they were too old to go through the promotional circuit. Whereas I was saying the whole time, my thought was that they thought that you know we're studio fucking Julie. We don't need to do jack shit. People will come and see us anyway. Yeah, it, it and sells they did. itself. It sells itself. Yeah, there's the, all all of its prop. Like every single reason could probably be true. And yeah, it's probably true, but. We're probably right too. <laughs> you know they, they they can they can they can puff their chest out. They can flex if they want. Yeah, being who they are. They haven't made a good film since Spirit. Well, I'm I'm joking. I don't I don't truly mean that. Well, sort but, of. Yeah, sort of. But they can flex if they want. Well, okay. I should correct myself. I don't think Miyazaki has made a good film since Spirit Away. <laughs> <laughs> so because I love Poppy Hill. Which was actually Goro, if I'm not mistaken. I oh. think that's his only good film. Because I haven't seen his one or two other ones. Yeah, they and, got panned. And I think Princess Kaguya is really good. Which was... Fuck, I always forget the other guy's name. Taka, uh, Isao Takahata. Yeah, Isao Takahata, yes. And that we're was his last him. work before he Yeah, we're going to talk about him later. Yeah, before We're going to talk about him later, for sure. Right. And did I like anything else after? Um, yeah, I kind of liked Wind Rises, but I can't say I loved it like like the other two I mentioned. Yeah, but anyway, the, the, it's just as I said. You and I think, and the only thing known was the poster and the title, and the title was the same how, as that novel. How as, do you live? How do you live? And people start to think. It's an adaptation. May I? I wouldn't doubt people. Although that was the initial thinking in when the uh, when just the poster came out. That might have been what the public thought. And then this comes around, which still turned out to be, as I said, worth the watch. But it's certainly a lot different from what you would expect from Studio Ghibli in general. Miyazaki specifically, although they've been down those paths before, but this is going even deeper. Right? Mm -hmm. It was fascinating. It was depressing. It was dark. It dealt with some very heavy issues. Right? Yeah, because, you know, the kid loses his mom in the hospital. That's how it starts. 
which is like burning in flames. Mm -hmm. It's a very visually striking scene. You see him running towards the fire and it's like a big blur. That was a very impressive scene. Mm -hmm. Visually. Well, visually, and we talked about this after the, after the movie, it almost felt like there was some computer generated animation there. I'll stop sort of saying CG, but well, CG means computer generated, doesn't it? I could believe that it was still all hand drawn. Mm. It's just that that's what struck me. And obviously, Ghibli films have been in the vanguard of just going hand drawn, sell, sell art. It's just, it's just that's what, uh, what grabbed me about some of the animation, right? Mm hmm. So, especially some of the early scenes like that. But that's, uh, you know, one of, you know, one of the things that struck me as this being just different. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but it, 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 it had some very, it had your typical, like, while I, while I say this is different, it, the, overall vibe the overall feel of the visuals was so so trademark typical ghibli character designs are what you'd expect so so it, it was quintessential in, in in many respects as well it was a quintessential ghibli film at least when you on the outside when you look at it but as i said topics are just deep Right. Yeah, because the the kid also has to adapt to his new situation. Because mm-hmm. his dad marries his aunt. Yeah, basically the his mom's younger sister, and she's already pregnant. Right. And I was like, oh, I didn't take very long. <laughs> and it's his, and that also is the part of the focus of the movie: his relationship with his his now his now stepmom, right? Is, is the way his mom or his new mom, I should say, uh, Natsuko grabbed his hand when they were in the cart. It's like, oh, do you feel it kicking? I'm like, whoa. Whoa, we've, we're that far already, right? Yeah. Yeah. But See, the guy- this is, uh, you know, this is a Ghibli film, so we know it's going to be wholesome and it won't go in a weird direction, but... I still kind of like, whoa. Yeah, no, as I said, yeah, it's, it took you, it, it took you down all down spots that you wouldn't have expected it to not tastelessly. It was, it was always tasteful. Don't worry about that. Like, you know that he wouldn't do anything like that. Well, yeah, it's Studio Ghibli. It's, and it's Miyazaki. He, he kind of despises the way anime has gone over time. Well, how could what can you blame him? Like, anime has gotten more and more risque to the point where, like, man, they're really pushing those boundaries over what's allowed on TV nowadays. Yeah, but it's a weird. It's a, it, but I think it's as I said. It's also maybe a lot of his feelings. A lot of Miyazaki's own feelings laid bare at that point, right? 
what kind of feelings do you think were laid bare? Themes, obvious, obvious themes of more or mortality. I mean, this was like people will always say this is maybe a reflection as to where he knows he's eventually going to be, which is not there. Dead, yeah, yeah. Well, how he looks at himself, how he looks at things afterwards, and. The other part is maybe this. Uh, the the movie was also produced in the immediate years after Isao Takahata died. He died in 2018, right? The much of the production of the movie, by all accounts, happened in the immediate years after that, and through the pandemic, I suppose. I always kind of imagined Hayao Miyazaki. Just doing it cell by cell by himself because they didn't have enough funds to justify hiring more people because they just weren't doing stuff regularly. Because mm-hmm. the Ghibli Museum's revenues can only do you so much, especially when your longtime friend and producer wastes all that money on his. Southeast Asian girlfriend. Wow, we're going to go down that rabbit hole now, aren't we? Yeah. For a little bit. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's so yeah. bad. I, I I lost a lot of respect for Toshio Suzuki after I heard about that. That sounds I funny. I just, I just laugh when I hear that bits, of, bits and pieces of that story. I haven't really read up on it, but yeah. <laughs> he fired his successor because... His successor it? had the balls to call him out on it. Oh, that, yeah, okay. What, how does that make you look? Well, now there's nobody else. And now there's nobody else. And maybe these are the type of things that eventually forced Studio Ghibli to sell uh, to, be, to be bought out by TV. It, it was Nippon TV, wasn't it? I believe Memory so. Memory correct, right? I believe so. So... Yeah, it's just his reflect. His it's me. It's Miyazaki's reflection as to how he looks at his legacy at this late stage in his career in life. I think, and I get it. We're probably reading a lot into this, but I know a lot of people find a lot of, like a lot of critics have said, and I agree. This is Miyazaki's most personal work. More than the wind rises, which I don't know as well. So, but but they tend to be more introspective, and they tend to be a little bit more. Well, I don't know how 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 was what was the tone of wind rises, and I know that's kind of war. That's set during the war too, right? That one was pretty deep it, in the sense that not a lot of humor, not spiritual. Well, not nothing supernatural happens. It's a very grounded work. Well, and this was this was pretty supernatural. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should maybe I should have watched that. It's on Netflix. I'll just maybe put that next on the queue after finishing the final episode of uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runner. It's you know I I like the film. Uh, there is a bit of contention. 
with how some people see it, especially in Japan. But I thought it was fine. I don't think it was great. Like, I don't think it was... I didn't think it was, like, mind-blowingly awesome. Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't compare The Wind Rises to Totoro. You would compare it more along the lines of other films such as Grave of the Fireflies or Only I knew that one Yeah, I knew Compared that... to those tone of films by the Grave... studio. And Grave of the Fireflies is a comparable. It was a comparable also to The Boy and the Heron because it's set in the midst of World War II. Mm. And it's dark and it's depressing, but I don't think anything will. And, and I know I get it. It's not a uh, grave. Grave was not a Miyazaki film, but I don't think anything will come that Ghibli does and Miyazaki does will come close to what, to the type of thing, the type of feelings that uh, Grave of the Fireflies will evoke. Yeah, that was a Takahata film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and something else. Yeah, I, th- I think Takahata was more capable of the downright ball, uh, downright um, leave you in a pile of tears type movies. Yeah, I left Grave of the Fireflies just very sullen and quiet. Yeah, I was shaken. Even though I knew what happened, I had been spoiled. So the impact wasn't as strong as I wished it was because Mm -hmm. I knew, I knew what that stupid kid did. I I'm trying to two thirds of the way, two thirds of the way through. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where I saw it. If it was although he's young, but still, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm just trying to remember how I saw it. it. Was on television? I think the first time I saw it. But it, oh, really? it was. It might have been. Yeah, I think. Was it a teletoon? I, I'm trying to remember. No the, way, teletoon would have aired that. I'm trying to remember the circumstances by which I saw it for the first time, and that was like 25 some odd years ago, like at least. Would have been VHS, right, Mike? I'm just trying to remember. I, I cannot say I remember. I'm I'm confident it did not air on Canadian, on Canadian TV. television. Well, just not some... not in the time that I would have kept up been paying attention to this kind of stuff because, like, around the mid two thousands when I I paid heavy attention to what was airing on TV because mm-hmm. you know I followed Xanon a lot and just could it have been on like a, a, yeah. on something like Showcase if not Teletoon? Um, Teletoon didn't really air anime for most of its life. Well, aside from showing uh, showing manga yeah, entertainment features, other than like the late '90s stuff, and then let's ex- and then you know, and then you have the odd fringe cases like Carp Captors, Sakura, and Spider Riders, and that other one. I think I think they aired Bakugan actually. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the Fireflies. Well, we we can keep on talking while I look this up. Yeah, but. Where was I on this? Like Miyazaki and his seeing him seeing his end and seeing what his legacy will be further down the road. Does he? I think he's I, I he's at peace with the idea that he he's at peace with uh, the world not being where he wants it to be, like the world in general 
and the war and maybe his own legacy as an animator. Like there's no really nobody to hold up the the mantle for him the way he likes to animate and direct movies. Right? He like I said, he despises anime the way it is. And he's at peace with the with the idea it will that's the direction. So if it aired in Canada it would depend on if we had access to Turner Classic Movies. TM, okay. TMC. TCM or... TCM. Or the International Channel. I don't think that was Canadian. I think that was only US-based. Okay. I'm just still trying to remember the circumstances by which I originally watched it. Maybe it was, maybe it was a tape I rented from Comic Den back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, I... I I'm trying to remember. Amazing movie, by the way. Uh, that goes with this film, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a very thought provoking film. That and that's what this it's, was. This it's gut wrenching at times. Yeah, yeah. No, well, which one? Uh, Grave. Yeah. What do you mean at times? <laughs> it's all the way through, dude. For me. Because you can see it. You can see it all. Like for me, you could kind of see that's it's ending all coming pretty quickly. Like it, it, it didn't take a, like you knew this wasn't going to end well. Okay. So I'm going to, I'll just, I'll just quickly talk about this. So this is major grave of the firefly spoilers. But a few seconds to let people bail out if need be. Da, 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 da. So, okay. Knowing Knowing that the the boy abandons his little sister, having known that, I was just dreading it the whole time. Like hmm. up to, maybe starting at when we hit the second third minute, I was like, okay, it's gonna happen at some point. When's it gonna happen? And and just see, and then you kind of it doesn't really there's it doesn't feel like there was a lot of build up to that happening. From what I vaguely recall, it's it's been quite a few years since I've seen it now, but it kind of just happens in my mind. Maybe hmm. I'm misremembering, but it it just kind of happens. Okay, I, I I saw the I just saw it as a maybe I see it the other way. It is a I saw her. I remember her declining. It was Setsuko. That was the little girl's yeah, name. Yeah, because you think that you would think that. Oh well, you know. It's his little sister. He's gonna. They're gonna stick together no matter what. Okay, the kid's name's Satan. Now that I'm looking it up, but then, but then you also realize that like he's like what nine or ten or something or eleven. So it's like, yeah, what can you do? Like, if you were in that situation, like, what would you really do? It's like it's so hard. Yeah, I can't he, imagine he, what you can do. Yeah. Okay. Well. So do you really condemn it? That's the thing, yeah. You can okay. you can argue it either way. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then there's no wrong answer to that. <laughs> and then the end, if you think there is, try being in the kid's shoes. Yeah, right? Because like, we could all say, like, oh, no, I would not abandon my little sister as an 11-year-old. But, or younger. But it's like, are you sure cool. about that? Cool. 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So Miyazaki's uh, thoughts on Miyazaki and his more uh, and his mortality, his thoughts of losing losing Takahata. They were close, right? So, would you say Mahito is Hayao? I guess. I guess. I mean, I mean, we and and to talk about it and to want to talk about more. Well, we have committed. We have committed that we'll give some spoilers, right? Wait, so is the hair in Takahata there? <laughs> I th- I would have thought the hair the like the hair in. I don't know. As I said, it talks about loss. But 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 his, but Mahiro's mom is not Takahata in many ways. <laughs> so maybe it's just I, I it's just uh, but I think he, I think just loss in general was a th- was a driving force as Miyazaki did this and the fact that you know that he won't be there is another driving force in this and what he oh. leaves behind. How do you live? How, you know, n- now that you say that, perhaps Mahito's mom just represents Hayao's happiness. And that there was a point where his happiness just died. And now you see Mahito even as like a 12 year old or whatever, how old he is, he's already kind of brooding and you could even say curmudgeony in some aspects, just being very sullen. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't change. That's the amazing, the interesting part that doesn't change throughout the movie. And at the very end, right? His, his feeling, his tone, his attitude, Never, you just never got the sense it changed. Like he goes through some, like the movie, the the adventure can be at times traumatic, and but it doesn't change his change him. He's still approaching it with that attitude, the attitude that basically solidified itself the day his mother passed away, and it's and it does, you know. It jumps around a little bit through to through roughly five, six years, I believe. Right? His dad is Toshio Suzuki. Because <laughs> he's all business. He, yeah, he's all business and probably and, and with a bunch of women. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But hey, he still stuck up for his son. When he needed to, yeah, he did. Good for the good for him. Yeah, I respected that. Yeah, he's the, like the, he's the, like I will find that kid. You tell me who did this to you, <laughs> because uh, at some point in the film, he gets into a scuffle with the other kids. They mm-hmm. probably you don't see any dispute happening. It's just you just suddenly see kids kind of steering right to like them fighting in the. Yeah, and it's a class, and it might be a class thing because Mahito comes from a good family and yeah, a family, it's, both sides of the family. 
it's assumingly a class thing. Yeah, it's assumingly. It's it's probably safely assumed to be a class thing. Yeah. Right. But it's just yeah. And and you know, old man pride when you uh hurt yourself with a rock yeah. so much that you bleed that like what, what, he bled a lot. Holy shit. Yeah, that was amazing. That must have been a hell of a self self-inflicted wound. I'm like, you should be dead. <laughs> that much blood? With that much blood, yeah. Well, it was coming out of the temple. It looked like it was it was coming out of the it, he hit himself in the temple. That, I'm like, that's why you don't how did you even make it home? Why well, that is not a good thing to do. It, it, well, even at the best of times. Normal kids would have died with that much blood loss, I feel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it, like that. He hit. He, I think he hit the artery, <laughs> dude. I think he hit the uh, temporal artery there. So, like, it's it, it just. But th- these are just the things that just stuck out about this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And and I, I know that. Like by and large, the reviews are positive by and large, but there's some criticisms too. I I, I know I think some people found it found the narrative at times jumping around a bit erratic. I felt that way too. Okay, I guess from in my case because I've watched I've gotten used to watching shows like Highlander. Like the both the movies and the television series, it loves to set its contexts in flashbacks. So the idea of telling its story by jumping around in time it didn't really bother me, and I'm still and for the most part, I was able to keep up with the uh, with the plot and the story. Okay. So that that part didn't really really bother me because I've I've gotten used to those type of you know, flashbacks or those type of narratives, right? Telling the order a bit out of order, so to speak. Or time skipping in this case, too. But I uh, it's uh, what was the so what was some of the other criticisms out there of the movie? Like what do you think what do you what's other um criticisms you you saw. I'll be honest. I haven't looked up any critic reviews mm-hmm. since I, watching it. I know as of uh, this evening, uh, there was an episode of ANN After Show with Lindsay Luffridge. And I know she wasn't uh, the biggest fan of the movie. She was fairly critical of it, but I forgot exactly what it was. So... I'm just looking at some of the uh, some of this uh, reviewed boy, visually complex nine out of ten. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just looking at this. Gentle, uh, maybe a, maybe a bit slow in its feel. Visually impressive and visually complex. I liked. That's a good way to put it. That, that's what uh, what the IGN review was. Interesting. 
Yeah. And, but as I said, it was also a lot of people think of this as uh, Miyazaki's goodbye and thought it was just his way of saying goodbye to the, to the industry. Right. So nakedly uh, bidding adieu to us and to the crumbling kingdom of dreams and madness that he'll soon leave behind. This is such a this is such a great line, David uh, David er- Ehrlich of IndieWire. This is such a great line in the review. Miyazaki so nakedly bidding adieu to us and to the crumbling kingdom of dreams and madness that he'll soon leave behind. That it somehow resolves into an even more fitting goodbye. Then the wind rises, one graced with the divine awe and heart-stopping wistfulness of watching a true mortal make peace with their own death. That is, that is a hell of a choice of words. Yet, I come away, I, I, that's, if there's one, if there's one sentence there that I think encapsulates what I think what I think uh, would be Miyazaki's own feelings. That's probably it. Especially the whole crumbling kingdom line. Right? Both, uh, because now it's at this point you, when, when I read that line and the way I'm thinking about Miyazaki's legacy, it isn't just about anime in general, it's Studio Ghibli too, specifically. Right? We talked about Goro. He ain't, he, ain't, he ain't taking over. We know that. Well, not while he's alive. No. Or he shouldn't, anyway. At least that doesn't seem to be the plan. And we know, and we've talked about how on this, um, numerous times on this podcast, and probably it's, it's become even more well-documented, that, that Hayao and Goro Miyazaki do not have the greatest relationship. Yeah, it's kind of like... What's a good comparison? Tough love isn't putting... Is, is too, it would be too kind. Because you don't know if there was any. There's respect. It's kind of like... Um, Baki Hanma and Yujiro Hanma. One way to put it? But it's, Where, well, it's not really it's not an, that accurate of a description, but that was the first kind of father-son hate dynamic that first came to my mind. But that's what it is. You're right? I mean, Goro, like, we talk about how, how Miyazaki really doesn't speak highly of Goro. And he acknowledges, he acknowledges he wasn't a great parent. And, and Goro frankly just agrees. Gives him no marks for, gives, gives Hayao no marks as a, as a parent. But boy, is he a hell of a filmmaker. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, in the drive to be Hayao Miyazaki, you have to kind of sacrifice a few other things about your life, I guess. Yeah, like your happiness and the happiness you, of your kin. Yeah, yeah, the happiness of your family, and uh, and and the rest of the world is grateful. And now we and, and maybe now entertained by the dynamic that just exists there in the aftermath. 
but it, but but yeah, as I said, it's a reflection of of a lot of things about as as Miyazaki appro- uh, approaches the end. He understands it. I think he understands it. Uh, 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 he attempts to make an understanding of his mortality. He probably does, and he probably has a good grasp of it at that point. And and I think he's and as I said, he's just come to terms with it. That's the overarching sense I get from watching this. Kind of like the and and he just has a and that's the attitude. Like Mahito's attitude is Miyazaki's attitude as he moves forward. Right? Mm-hmm. And it and it has a very like it, it's just a tone. Even the ending kind of gives off that way. This whole thing, this whole ordeal is over. We just move on. That's how do you live? That's how it ended. Yeah, it was a very like quick it, denouement. Yeah, it's huh? A very quick denouement. It just kind of ended. Yeah, yeah there's no real epilogue. There is no, and they lived happily ever after. It's more like, and they lived. And he now has a baby half-brother. Yeah, well, he, by that way, yeah. Kid's taller-sized. Yeah. And he's cute. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. And I think that's how Miyazaki sees how society will go after he's gone. And that's how Miyazaki will see how Studio Ghibli will be after he's gone. It just continues. Maybe not in the form it is. Maybe not anywhere close to the form that he would have liked. But it will go. Maybe a bit crumbled. Right? The world will be in... The world is is fucked up at the moment. Studio Ghibli has just sold... Has sold itself to... to to Nippon Television, to a corporation, it's gone corporate. Well, how will that? How will that affect its? Uh, how will that affect its vision? But it'll there'll be a vision. That's essentially the message. If if, if Miyazaki has a message in all of this. Hmm. What, did, uh, did I get? Did I get carried away? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's just there. Like, like in recent years, like the documentary. I still like I, I, that ten years with Miyazaki documentary, which is still on NHK World. Like we we now know over time in recent years, like over the last five, maybe ten years, how grumpy a guy the, he really is. Probably not the probably not the most pleasant guy to be around on a daily basis, but boy, he's a hell of a movie maker, right? Yeah, brilliance comes at a cost. Like they say that about that's the case with every genius, right? They have they may not be the most they might be fascinating, they might be weird, they might be unbearable to deal with. And the feeling may be mutual. Huh. 
right? This is probably like, is Miyazaki saying, you know, basically giving a middle finger at times to what's about to, to the, to the future. Does it feel that way sometimes? Quite possibly. Right. I mean, I mean, it's okay. And maybe that's a coping mechanism too. Like it's, the world is, the world isn't going to be perfect. You can try and make your way in. You just try and make your way through it. And I guess this is just Miyazaki's message. This is how I just did it. Once again, this is how I lived. So there's, I guess that's just, it it was just a fascinating movie because, but to me, it was fascinating because it's, it's a watch for me because of what I know, what we've learned about, about Hayao Miyazaki, the person in recent years. That's what made, just made this movie such a watch for me because like everyone said, it's him laying himself bare at this point in his life. But what we've learned about his life in recent years makes this this movie to me even more poignant. So, who do you think the parakeets represent? And the pelicans, who are they? <laughs> um, the world at large, whether that that's the regular world or the anime world? Huh. I never could quite wrap around who, who those represented, actually. I was trying to think about it for a while, but then I was like, oh, you know what? Not 100% sure. No, and, and he won't really let on. I think some of the line is... I think uh, one... Uh, what was it? I'm just going to... Uh, on the wiki, when they first... Um, I'm just going to try and pull up the line from the wiki, because it was actually a really, really interesting one. Right? Hmm. There was a there was an interesting line about when the movie was first screened to anybody out there, right? Because it was it was screened in the, to some ja- to a few Jap people in Japan, but with the express uh, with the express uh, agreement that nothing be really spoiled to the public, right? When was this? I'm just trying to find the line, though. I'm just trying to find where that's uh, noted, right? In me, we'll film Princess Kaguya. And I'm, lo- I'm trying to look this up now. I'm trying to look this up now, right? Music reception. And it's almost pre-sold overseas with no concrete date. Yeah, worried. Um, yeah, there was just a line, and I'm trying to find exactly where, you know, I'm uh, where it would be. It would be mentioned, right? Well. 
I'll just say I took a quick look at the ANN review of the film back when it came out in Japan. Hmm. And apparently Toshio Suzuki stated back in 2017 on a Japanese TV program that the film was for Miyazaki's grandson, a way of saying Grandpa is moving on to the next world soon, but he's leaving this film behind. That's sort of a thing that also in the in that's sort of a theme in in how do you live because it's the grand the uncle kind of documents everything and at a point gives it to the boy right with the in, with the intention to give it to the boy at a, at a point right so yeah yeah really dark really complex mature really and fairly mature. Right, it is. I, I I can't call it a kids' movie either. It 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 it, it really isn't, or at least you have to. It, it, it's very very thought provoking, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to find where the um oh who opted to show casting crew were kept largely undisclosed. After the previous screening held in late February 2023, where strict confidentiality measures were in place, a message from Miyazaki was read out following the credits, saying, perhaps you didn't understand it. I myself don't understand it. Interesting. That's, that's I think, the probably the, the most striking line. We... I mean, he knew it would be read, opened into interpretation and like open to a lot of interpretation and he agrees and he seems quite fine with you letting that discussion go a bunch of different ways. He may, because there, because every argument probably is true. It's valid. There isn't a wrong answer to him in all of this. And maybe that's what may, what makes this movie so good in many ways. And, and, and so different. Are, like directors, artists, authors, playwrights, as they move, like, their works are also a reflection of their of their emotional and mental state at that point too. Are they not? That's, I would think that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like I said, this is, this is where Miyazaki is now. He knows he's near the end. So these are what he wants to say before, before that time comes. He's starting to th- say the things that he wants to say. So, I mean, he doesn't, he's no, he no longer needs to the commercial success. Or maybe he doesn't care anymore. So, maybe he just wants to do what's, what, what little, whatever he could do now on his own terms. This was a very personal movie. And, and it really does make me want to read the actual book itself the original book that inspired it read uh 
How do you live? Just so I know maybe some of those themes that would have stuck in his head as he went about this project. Anyway, those are, I don't know. I don't know what else to really say. Um, just in relation, as, as mentioned, in terms of in terms of reception and all that, this was the number one movie for, of last week here, basically the first full week of December. I was, this was the number one movie in North America. It'll likely be overtaken this weekend by, by Wonka. That's fine. That's fine, just the way it is. It was a slow week. I get it. Um, the Golden Globe Award nominations were announced earlier in the week, and and the Boy and the Heron did get two noteworthy nominations: best animated feature and best uh, best original score for for Joe Hisaki. Pretty good music, gotta say. Well, you you know what you're getting there. Maybe with a lot of things. Well, I said this is quite different for for Studio Ghibli and a and a Miyazaki film. You knew what you were getting, and you can say that about the music too, right? Anyway, that's uh, just some thoughts. It's an easy recommendation if you get the chance to see it in theaters. See it, or wait up for Netflix. Because you know it'll end up there sooner or later, too. Yeah, I'd say it was a pretty decent watch. Yeah, it is. It was worth it. And and maybe just worth mentioning, um, we did see this on a Tuesday night here in the West End of Toronto. How would you describe that crowd in the theater that night? I, I mean, we didn't mention it. Uh, I guess it's one of those things we should have mentioned at the top. But what was your impression of the audience we we saw that with? I think it's skewed, like, young to, like, middle-age-ish. Yeah, well, I thought it was a little bit more across the board than it could have been because it's... Yeah. Right? Because, yes, you did pull out your typical anime fandom. You you pulled out out a lot of our fandom. And then you pull up the Miyazaki enthusiasts, too. Yeah, you pull up the Miyazaki enthusiasts, which aren't necessarily anime fans, and maybe that was... That middle-aged couple we saw as we came up, as we uh, went up the staircase there. Yeah. Right? Who were there. So it, so it was that type of crowd. It was a very, you know, different crowd. Chances are that middle-aged couple wouldn't have been there to watch Kaguya. No. I doubt it. Or uh, what's the other one? The, one, the fire one. Yeah, I forgot his name now. You're, you're one of your favorites, right? Which one? Um, not Daigo. It's another fire one, though. It was about fires? This was a movie? Yeah, it was a movie. Was this was an anime movies? movie? Um, yeah, it was an anime movie. In 2019, I believe it was. 2019? Was it 2019? Oh, are you thinking Promare? Yeah. Oh, it probably Promare, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Thank you. That came back to theaters, I think, this year for a brief run. Oh, well, again, they can do whatever they want. So, it was, it was such a good film. Oh, 
Oh yeah, parallel. Uh, I, one 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 note I did. One other uh, note I put up, uh, and I guess we'll acknowledge this. And it probably is just a throwaway thought. Parallels with Suzume. Suzume's on on Crunchyroll. I'm not totally sure about that. I mean, it's you know, it's a, kind of an adventure, and it's set after a disaster. I guess that's the only parallel. About and it's about. You know, in many respects, finding yourself at that point after after tragedy, having having very very supernatural guides in the process. I think I think it's just, I think it's just more. Of, I think what well, how the two differ from each other is because of where their respective directors sit in life at the moment, and that kind of emoted itself into the uh, into how into the tone the rest of the tone right we 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 talked we we've already said Miyazaki sees the end Makoto Shinkai just continues he has a lot still to, to talk about being much younger and that's just maybe maybe trying to give the same themes to somebody at different stages of their careers and lives just a thought, though. And you can disagree with me. I look forward to hearing those. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just a quick note that uh, as if Kenshi Onezu didn't get enough work in, like, big hit anime, now he even gets to put a theme song for a Ghibli film. So that's another notch on his belt. Oh yeah, that's right. He's he okay. Cause he's now done theme songs for My Hero Academia and Chainsaw Man. <laughs> His Chainsaw Man theme song is is like huge now. You kidding me? Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, he did. Oh, he did the Shin Ultraman one too. Oh. I forgot he did that one. That was a good film, too. That's another Ano reimagination of of uh, a popular franchise. Mm. Yep, he's everywhere. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's mostly well-known for that Japanese song named Lemon. I'm just looking at some of this. I'm just looking him up, to be honest with you. Yeah, Lemon Live from his native Tokushima. Yeah, Lemon was huge I'll, when it uh, came out in Japan. We'll just look it up later. Anyway, but uh, yeah, a note on the music. Anyway, just a couple of thoughts as we look ahead. Um, this is our first recording of, de- of December. Obviously, a lot of stuff has happened in the la- in the almost month we haven't been around. It's been a month since uh, episode eighty six, so maybe we should look give some thoughts as to where we will go with episode eighty seven. Yeah, I, I know there's other stuff that'll uh, that I know uh, will come up when when um, Mo, Amy, and James uh, gather around the table again to talk a little bit more. Some some more Netflix stuff with um, the Yu Haku Show. Live action debuts tomorrow on Netflix. So, yeah. 
So I know I, I, I know there'll be some thoughts on that. Mo has a ha- wanted to talk a little bit about his thoughts uh, after watching a little bit of the Scott Pilgrim animated series. Sony's had it. Sony's been on, in the news for various reasons. We'll talk about that. Whether in, often related, uh, often PS5 related, but it's also to related stream uh, digital video services. We'll go there. Evan, I know, wants to talk a little bit more about VTubers. Yeah, yeah, it'll happen at some point. But yeah, but I do want to ask you one last thing before we go tonight. Yeah, sure. Would you put this movie in your top five Studio Ghibli list? Wow. Studio Ghibli or Miyazaki specifically? Studio Ghibli. Let's do both. Do both. The thing is, I the thing is, some of it's all a blur. You know, it's. Like, the thing is, remember what's in my top five, or what I would already put among my tops, right? Like... What are they? Like, Ocean Waves is it would be in my personal top five. And I know it's not in going to be in most. But if you're on, on a personal level, it is for me. Maybe that, maybe the, maybe uh, things with, uh, with Kimigori Orange Road, uh, Wonder Years Tones is just... You know, Right? Mm-hmm. Porco Rosso is up there for me. Kiki's I still haven't watched that one. Kiki's is up there for me, right? Kind of underwhelmed by kind of underwhelmed by Howells. Not sure where Spirited Away sits. Not totally sure where Princess Mononoke sits. Those are the noteworthy ones. Those are probably the ones that those of us who've kept up with 30 years. And then we haven't gone to Nausicaa. We haven't gone to Totoro yet. And I, I don't remember them, to be quite honest. Would you count Nausicaa? Because it's kind of debatable that that happened before the the formation of Ghibli. If I, I remember I, correctly. Well, then I, I suppose. It, it's just uh, I can see both sides of that argument because remember Miyazaki also, uh, also directed Castle of Cagliostro, a Lupin movie, right? Oh yeah, Cagliostro does not count. No, it doesn't. That's de- that's definite. Then I well, guess an amazing but, film. Yeah, so. it's just not uh, where where does Nausicaa sit? Yeah, so it's it, it, it's a tough one. No, it's not really tough. I probably would still put it there, right? You would put it in your top five. No, I would put it as a as a Ghibli. Oh, you mean you put Nausicaa as a Ghibli? No, not so, no, Nausicaa. I, I, see, I'm getting them all confused. So, what I just did was that I wrote down the first five Ghibli films that came to mind that I thought were my personal favorites. Okay. And in order, I wrote Only Yesterday, My Neighbor Totoro, Nausicaa, from Up on Poppy Hill and Princess Mononoke. Okay. If we exclude Nausicaa, then I would put Kiki's delivery service. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. Kiki and Kiki, I actually don't have much nostalgia for. I watched that much later in life. So, well, not that old, but I did not watch that as a child. I didn't watch a lot of these as a child, actually. Something I didn't start watching most Ghibli until. High school, university. Actually, mm. I didn't really grow up with most of these. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to think of where, like, you. But to, just to go back to your question, would it be a top five? When I think of my top fives, okay, like I've already rifled three that I really liked, and one of them nobody would ever put there. So, Ocean Waves, Kiki's, Porco Rosso, nobody would really think of any of those really being that far up. I don't think those would be, would be in a lot. It would be anywhere close. Uh, would be close to number ones for people. But they are, to me, howls I couldn't put up there. Spirited Away, as great as it was, I couldn't put it up there for myself. And this is just a personal, this is just personal preference. Mm-hmm. Mononoke, I guess I could, because Mononoke, I could, because of the, of the way of its impact, too, at the time it came out. When, when I think it was that point, at that moment where Studio Ghibli did get its, did get its, its burgeoning international exposure. Like it was more, it was always niche, and it still kind of remained that way at at that point. But it was, just, it was just, it was just getting, it was just really starting to grow at that point. Hmm. Now, if I was to just strictly... Well, Grave, Grave of the Firefly sticks out, right? Yeah. Firefly sticks out. So it is borderline top five for me. I think I think I would put it... Uh, I think it's at the very least borderline. At, wor- at least borderline. So for me, I, Grave I, is like a number six, number seven. Like yeah, I, I, would, I would put it just on the cusp of being in top five, but then not quite there. See, and that's the thing. I put it, I put it on a cusp of top five. It's just, I'm, I can't commit to be, to be in or out of it. Like, I do think that, that grave of the firefly is a more impressive film than say like Totoro or Kiki's. <laughs> just, um, just for different, just, for very different reasons. Well, I just mean it from, like if I had to put the critical lens on, so to speak, but but I just wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. Okay. Uh if I was strictly going by Miyazaki, then Kiki's then makes the list. And then Yeah, and then obviously Nausicaa. So it's like I'm just going through his list to see if I really would have played a number five. And you know what? I, huh? It really comes down to, do I like, do I like it more than spirited away? Hmm. Cause I'd have Kiki's Totoro, Nausicaa, Princess Mononoke as one through four, like as four of the five, but then to put, Ooh, yeah, it'd be a deadlock between this film and spirited away. Because, I would have to give more thought myself because I don't think the wind rises left enough of a impact on me. And I also never, uh, I kind of didn't watch castle in the sky all the way through. I saw that in high school, but I didn't finish it. Like mm-hmm. it was like, I saw it through some other way. It wasn't like a sit down and watch kind of thing. So then, uh, I, I'm reserving judgment until I finally rewatch that movie in, in in one full sitting, and then yep, didn't didn't particularly enjoy Howls, and never did get around to Porco Rosso. It just 
I just keep on missing it. <laughs> I, I for me that's still an easy recommendation just for sheer fun. It's yeah, a- the, the the big holes in my Ghibli viewing list is Pocoroso and My Neighbors the Yamadas. Anyo is for me. <laughs> I've watched maybe I've watched more than half of Ponyo, but haven't finished it. And and it's worth maybe maybe because I want to watch it also and rewatch the documentary because Ten Years with Miyazaki is set around the time he did Ponyo. Because with Ponyo, whenever they screen Ponyo in theaters, it's always the English version. And you want to see a Japanese? I do want to see it in Japanese first before I see it in English. And then, so my Ponyo viewing was through Netflix at a friend's place, and then. Like, I was getting too tired, and I had to leave to go home. Yeah, that's kind of like me now. Anyway. Anyway, those are, as I said, just some thoughts about about the boy and the heron. And Yeah, I guess it's number five for me on a technicality. On a technicality. It's like kind of between that and Spirit Away. So I guess it would just depend on my mood. Mm. Well, it's a very, it's a very, let's, let's say, an emotional look. But then again... Yeah, it just—it's uh, fine. It, it, what, whichever way you go, uh, trying to determine it, right? It really makes me wonder if, if now I'm just looking at his older films with, with, uh, with a reddish tint or something. Like, how is it really nostalgia that's clouding my judgment? I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, looking at it as a person, as somebody a little bit older as a fan, too. Because it really is just on top of Poppy Hill that just really struck out to me. Post-spirited away. That is by far my favorite film. Post-spirited away. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, well, I've always said sometimes hitting your peak is the worst uh, hitting and seeing the very top of the mountain is the worst thing because you know you can't get any higher and pretty quickly it the only way is down i and always kind of thought as uh goro miyazaki's version of only yesterday in in a way wow in yeah. a way well having said all fair enough i i got to watch uh, there's stuff i got to watch that I also really love that film. Oh mm-hmm. man, which one? Uh, on for, on top of Poppy Hill. You you liked it? I really like it. Yeah, it's. I'd like, say it's my. It's in my top five Ghibli films. Okay. I, I gotta, my favorite. It's there. It's in my five favorite Ghibli films list overall. Yeah. Yeah. Because because okay. how I determine it is what were the first five Ghibli films that I would write down. And I would just deem that as my top five. Okay, that's fair. And yeah, Poppy Hill would would come up sometimes it's just me trying if i'm trying to write down five names it's just me trying to remember five ghibli films not necessarily if they were great if i thought they were because i was like kind of thinking and i was like you know what that was the exercise i imposed on myself to just write down the first five films that came to mind because then that would mean those are the five most memorable movies that i enjoyed yeah well but from, from the studio yeah and but you know what this debate it's it's just going to go on and on and on, and we'll revisit it again probably after either Hayao Miyazaki comes out with a film, another film, or just dies. 
<laughs> Just being honest. Anyway, as I said, those are our thoughts. Uh, those are our thoughts uh, after after watching the boy and the heron. But what are your thoughts? Uh, anime Roundtable at gmail.com at Anime Roundtable on our socials. AnimeRoundtable.com is our website. And of course, we're on, uh, we have a presence technically on YouTube and Twitch. Don't forget, uh, and don't forget as a podcast, leave us a review. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool to do. But uh, if you'll excuse us, it is late enough. I do have one final. I I do have either a little bit more getting reacquainted with a place with my PS5 or or watching the final episode of uh, Cyberpunk one or the other before I call it a night. I started Pikmin three recently. Now there's something else. To, uh, there's something else, right? Oh, I missed Pikmin so much. Oh man, oh, I miss playing. I miss I miss uh, playing uh, playing games uh, on the console. So um, maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'll just uh, do that to unwind for the night. Because I can only play so much Shimigami Tensei Five before I. I know. Oh, okay. Give me a thought and before, before I go tonight. Um, if I was to start playing a Persona game, what would be your uh, uh, recommendation as a good one to try first? Ooh. So strictly Persona, not Shimigami Tensei as a whole. I'm going to assume you mean just Persona. So, uh, people will say 5, just because it really is just polished so well. They, they, they spent years and years and years to make that, so the effort shows. I just haven't played it yet, so I can't technically recommend it. It's just, I know a lot of people would. I recommend Persona 4. Okay, that's all I need to know. And uh, we can talk about the reasons later. Not there yet. But it was just a thought, because I keep seeing those as recommendations. So. Oh yeah, Limited Run Games uh, is actually doing a physical release of uh, Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden. Uh, those pre-orders ended recently. So, being the sucker that I am, uh, I pre-ordered... It, Fair enough. Even though I still have it for PS2. Hmm. Fair enough. Because Atlas wouldn't be asked to put it up themselves, so Limited Run Games decided to. Obviously, they struck a deal, of course. <laughs> well, there you go. Anyway. And as I said, this was our first, this was recording number one for December. We know we have one more in us for the month. Round up. Uh, around Christmas. So come on back. I guess it's going to be episode 87. And join us then. Thanks for listening. See you then. Have a good night.